Welcome to Accelerate OC, the only show focused on the people leading innovation in Orange County. Join our host, Carrie Ransom, and his conversations with the trendsetters, entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders here, because it's time to Accelerate OC. I'm Carrie Ransom, and thanks always to our engineer, Paul, for making me and my guests sound so good. Today's episode is sponsored by my home here, OC4 Venture Studio, which is a new tech startup and company building platform here in Orange County. So if you're interested in help for your startup, uh, opportunities to work with some of the great emerging startups here, or uh, want to be part of the community that is growing around it, uh, feel free to go to OC4V.com or you can reach out to me at any time. I'm super excited to have my longtime friend, Paul O'Brien, with me here today, uh, live from Austin, Texas. Uh, before we get to hear from Paul, though, let me tell you a little bit about him to get you uh, oriented, and then we're going to have a great catch-up session. So Paul is currently the CEO of Media Tech Ventures, which is based in Austin, and they are a leading venture development group at the intersection of media and technology. Uh, they also run an incubator out of there called Collective, uh, which Paul and his team run as part of MediaTek. And he was sharing that they have seen just a huge surge in applicants during this time. So we'll, we'll definitely talk about that today. Uh, he's also been the director of the Founder Institute of Texas for the last few years. And uh, having been a former mentor for Founder Institute here in Orange County for several years, cohorts. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll cover that a little bit today as well. And I think they're seeing a huge swell in interest probably globally during this crisis. So we can we can talk about that too. Um, he also founded a group called Funded House a year and a half ago. And it's designed to be a place where venture capital firms can connect directly with startups when they reach that Series A, Series B round um, whether at a conference or online in a more virtualized way. And I think it's really trying to fill that void where a lot of startups uh, hit a wall after a, a seed round and need help figuring out what they need to, to do to get to that next uh, critical funding round. Um, he's also a mentor advisor to a number of other startup venture economic development organizations really all over the place. And so, um, you know, Paul and I have known each other for a long time. Uh, nearly probably about 10 years ago now that you uh, relocated from the Bay Area to Austin and moved his whole family down there. So he was actually early to, to pick up on the the trend and the the momentum that, that Austin was going to see uh, in the last decade. And so before he, he did that, he had been in, in some really prominent companies in the Bay Area like Yahoo, also part of some early companies that sold to companies like GoDaddy and StubHub as well. And I've always appreciated Paul because he really just has this help first uh, abundance mindset. He's always open book as far as his point of view on things. He's willing to share his war stories and, and wisdom, happy to teach others. And, you know, I just always appreciate the opportunity to catch up with him. It's been a while, Paul, but thanks for joining me on Accelerate OC today. Now is the perfect time for us to catch up. Carrie, right. it is great, great to see you, man. It That's has right. been too long. It has been, it has been too long, which well, is I unfortunate, was, yeah. but, but we right. are busy and, and we do keep cranking on helping everybody be successful and thrive in, 
in, in this new economy, let alone the, the economy that we've we've had as we've served entrepreneurs. Good to see That's you. That's right. It's always good to see you. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't get to do it in person. As I was saying off the air, I was hoping I was going to make it down to South by this year. And, uh, you know, very unfortunately, along with a number of other uh, events that I think mark people mark their calendars by, um, you know, we're, we're disrupted this year and, and not able to, to fully have that uh, human interaction that we always so desperately need, I think. Yeah, we were just we were just talking about before the show, everybody. Uh, thank you for having me. We were just talking about how next year for South by Southwest will probably be incredible as mm-hmm. the entire world wants to get back together. You're, you're right. right. It's 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 a it's a it's a key date in our calendars. And, and, it, and it was just an unlucky coincidence that that this virus hit exactly at the same time that we were mm-hmm. preparing to get to go to, to South by Southwest. I I re- as the mayor canceled or made the announcement to cancel uh, cancel the conference, I raced over to the local news station to to get on the local news and comment on it because it, mm-hmm. it, it happened that fast for us. It was pretty yeah. sudden. We've been impacted by it in good ways and bad, frankly. So sure. we're looking forward to next year. So tell me, you know, I mentioned it's probably been close to 10 years ago. I just remember you calling me and going, hey, we're moving. You know, we, d- we decided it's time to eject out of the Bay Area we we certainly have seen more people in the last couple of years relocate here to Orange County from the Bay Area, and I'm sure Austin has seen more in the last couple of years. But you were early to really make that decision. You know, orient my audience a little bit to what led you to to feel like it was time. That's a wonderful place to start. Thank you for that. I love to, well, as you heard, I, I get my fingers in a lot of different things mm-hmm. related to technology and, and entrepreneurship and venture capital. And I do that just because, honestly, it's my passion and, and as much my hobby as my work. Mm-hmm. I, I think my family would prefer I took up painting or something, but I find myself <laughs> yeah. passionate about economic development. And, mm-hmm. and so if you think about it, we're in the heart of our third major recession of the internet age. Mm-hmm. And everything comes in threes. And what I mean by that is there have been some d- great discussions about how this time, this being the third major recession, this time people are going to wake up and realize that we don't all need to be in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Benedict Evans from Andreessen Horowitz just, just had an article about that subject, that now people are going to leave Silicon Valley and they're going to go to LA, they're going to go to, to Denver and Chicago and Austin. And there were a few of us who went, uh, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> we started doing that last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 10, 10 or 12 years ago. That, you know, in the early early 2000s, right, we hit the hit the first bust. Mm-hmm. And folks, if you think about it, folks kind of stayed in the valley, right? Mm-hmm. That was the, the Yahoo to Google kind of yep. era. Yep. And, and they stayed in Silicon Valley, almost almost understandably, because venture capital was still there. And so it makes, makes sense that then people stuck around and continued to make it work in that heart of mm-hmm. innovation. But mm-hmm. when it happened again, when it happened the second time in, in you know, 2010, a lot of people started going, huh, I wonder if I really need to be here. What, what does it mean to be here? And indeed, I made a personal decision for, for the sake of my family, for the sake of getting back to some Midwest values. I grew up in Michigan. We fell in love with Texas. It felt like a good place for the future. A lot of big cities are close to here. And it was a, a call made just for the sake of starting over and starting fresh. And we ended up in the right place, frankly, because just a few years later, the city of Austin and then the rest of Texas started to boom as a startup. Mm-hmm. Start a pub. So as you think about sort of the expectations you had, I think it's probably hard to even go back and think about what you thought. How has the last 
10 years lived up to the expectations that you, you actually had when you went there? My most dreaded question, because it's, it's what I talk about rather extensively in this part of the world, that they're mixed, frankly. My expectations mm-hmm. are mixed with regard to how they've been met. That on one hand, companies keep moving here. Entrepreneurship throughout the world has flourished. Mentorship throughout the world has flourished, right? And so on one hand, things have just been exceptional. Could not have better met my hopes and dreams and, and been a place that's just perfect for my interests. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, what I talk about, why it's kind of a dreaded question, is where's the venture capital? Texas is still a place where most of the money is tied up in oil and gas and real estate. And so one of the things we talk rather extensively about is six or seven years later, six or seven years into our boom as a startup hub, where and when should we expect a lot more sophisticated investment in capital from within the region? Mm -hmm. Because frankly, we're still going to Northern California and New York to get it. And what I'm excited about, I think if we were to, to plan five years into the future, what I'm actually now excited about is that a lot of the world is looking to a place like Texas to figure out how it could work differently. That since venture capital doesn't work the same way that it does in Silicon Valley, Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe mm-hmm. it's time that we figure out how to do it in some different ways, not just crowdfunding, but but do it through special purpose vehicles, do it in a way that supports public funding a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Perhaps Texas is a place where we can figure that out. And so we're, we're aggressively having those discussions and exploring startups and new platforms that can help companies get funded here. That's a critical piece. I mean, one of, one of the things, you know, just to go a little bit deeper on that topic, because it's one that's near and dear to my heart here. I mean, just to give you some orientation, Last year here, only a few percent, literally, of the venture capital that came into this area came from even Southern California, not Orange County, from Southern California even. And so the vast majority is still coming from Northern California and New York, Boston. Why, why, do you th- and, why do you think that is? I'm curious because it's the same conversation we have trying to yes. figure out. What, what's so, your sense of other Yeah, I mean, so for me, it's a couple things. One I think you know the prevailing attitude here is it's not how people made their money and so they don't understand it and they don't feel like the intermediaries are there to trust their money with. And so it's like you know if, if I'm used to things I've had people literally say if it doesn't have windows and doors on it I'm probably not comfortable with it as an investment and IP doesn't really have it number 1. So I think it's that sort of understanding Number two is there is plenty of capital here, just like there is in Texas. And a lot of that capital is actually getting invested into this asset class, but it's getting invested as an LP into a New York or Bay Area fund. And so I've talked to plenty of people who, oh, I've got LPs down in Orange County, in Newport Beach and Laguna Beach, but it's been done as a financial investment and not as a economic development investment. And so my third thing belief is that people just don't have a great understanding of what I call microeconomics 101, that if they're exporting their capital elsewhere, not being invested in their backyard, that is going to generally have negative long-term economic consequences. Agree entirely. I love the notion that we would be better served to explore and understand and develop what that backyard is Mm -hmm. in the sense that I've encouraged folks to think about how putting the money in Silicon Valley as an LP 
is the equivalent of just generically investing it locally, right? in the sense that if you're putting it in, in a firm in Silicon Valley, really the only decision you're making is a confidence or a belief that firm and fund in Silicon Valley can make better investment decisions than I can. That's right. and, and to some extent, that may be true because there is, there is certainly that startup experience. And yet, mm-hmm. what do they do there that, that's notably different and compelling that you can't make the decisions yourself? Well, then flip the table. So why aren't you making those decisions yourself locally? Mm-hmm. Well, some are. Some are, is my point in, in observing it and sharing it with folks. Some, of course, say, I'm just going to invest in Austin. I'm only interested in investing in my backyard. Well, if you think about it, that's actually the same, the same context. It's the same consideration. Essentially, you're just saying, I'm just going to invest here because it's here. <laughs> because here is naturally better because I live here and I know it here and, and I want to pay it forward. Neither one of those is actually a sound investment decision if you think about it. Either on a, a purely on an investment basis, I totally agree with you. Right. So, so how, can we, how can we encourage folks to think about what is their backyard? What is your backyard? Right? In Orange County, what do you all do particularly well? That's right. What in Austin, what in Texas do we do particularly well? For, for example, you know, how do we move that oil and gas capital into innovation and technology? Well, for crying out loud, why aren't we, why aren't we much more focused on being a clean tech ecosystem, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. An energy innovation ecosystem. Yeah, you understand enabling, energy. Enabling a focus there. Yeah, yeah totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. So I have been in technology, as you know, since the 90s. So I've been at this, like, as long as, you know, we're, we're kindred spirits in that respect. We've been at this a long time. I've never lived in the Bay Area. I've never even worked for a Bay Area-based company. And so it's probably cost me a lot of money. But again, I don't measure my life in, in that way. And I've, you know, I've done okay. So no complaints there. But you know, you've been gone now for 10 years. What's your view on it from afar now, as you look at it? I mean, this idea, you know, hey, we don't have to be there to build world-class companies. It's different this time. What's your general attitude about the sentiment and the, the attitude of that area versus when you left? Two thoughts come to mind. One is the world suffers from a grass is greener syndrome. Mm-hmm. We have to be in Silicon Valley. We have to raise money in Silicon Valley. Or Austin is better. Is, is also grass is greener. I mean, that, that, that literally is looking at ourselves saying, no, 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 we do it better. We've got sure. it better. Other countries do it. Right? Other countries say, we have to be in the United States. The only mm-hmm. way we can make it work is if, if we're there, if we're on the other side of the fence too. We need to squelch that. Because the one thing that's evident in 2020, as we're all online, is that we have the skill sets, we have the experience, we have the advisors, we have the companies throughout the world for any entrepreneur in any part of the globe to thrive. You don't need to be elsewhere. Bloom where you're planted. Grass is not always greener. Yeah. Now, however, the opposite, the opposite is also true, which is the important point. That when we tend to say grass is greener or think grass is greener, we also tend to neglect our own strengths. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we're thinking, I got to be there. And so I'm overlooking our own key strengths, our own distinct strengths. Where- most evident is actually in, in that word technology. I'm a pretty harsh critic of, of folks who say that technology is an industry. So mm-hmm. forgive me if that's what you meant when you said I've been in technology for... No, I've been in software. Been, yeah, I've been... I've in not many- been in technology for 20... I've been on the internet for yeah. 25 years. I built my first website in 1992, but I don't have any idea how to build a computer. I have no idea how to do biotech. <laughs> if you, yeah. you ask me to you know, help with a pitch deck or help raise capital for real estate tech... 
or fintech. Eh. Technology is actually just a, a means to an end in this thing verticals. And that's, yeah. that's my point about grass is greener versus looking at our own strengths. Austin does certain things distinctly well, and most people don't know it. We are an e-commerce hub of the world. Big Commerce, Shopify, Magento are all based here for the most part in the United States. And the Amazon HQ2 fiasco of last year was rather intentionally focused on Austin because Amazon is already, for the most part, based in Austin outside of Seattle. HQ2 is for all intents and purposes here. So if you wanted to look at e-commerce as a vertical, right, one would think most entrepreneurs would want to work with Austin. Most investors would look to Austin first. And yet it doesn't happen because those two things, right? Grass is greener. Well, I got to be in Silicon Valley. But for e-commerce, that doesn't make any sense, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Or we think e-commerce is really strong in my part of the world. Well, is it really? What is it that works really well in Southern California, right? Mm -hmm. Those are your industries of strength. And that's where we should leverage technology much more aggressively on behalf of our financial class, right? Sure. On behalf of the investment community to deliver better returns. And we can do that anywhere in the world because every city, every region has to strength strengths and embrace and specialize in. And that's been a big part of the discussion here over the last year that I've been involved with is this, this idea of really doubling down on this concept of super clusters, right? What you just described for e-commerce is this uh, super cluster concept. And a few people, there's a professor at Stanford who has written about this and some others that you get to a place now in the world where you get enough critical mass in an industry. Here in Orange County, as an example, in ophthalmology, we are a world leader. We literally have a super cluster where if you are a startup, you probably are, are coming here to participate in conferences or community. If you're a bigger company in ophthalmology, you're probably opening an office here because you have just the depth of expertise. Uh, we have it to some extent in aesthetics as well in the, the medical side of the world. And so as you think about like what you describe in e-commerce, you know, what happens is those folks get really deeply planted physically in a geography and it starts to build upon itself. Those are a lot harder to move over time is what the, the current thinking is. And so as you develop that super cluster, of talent, it sort of feeds and builds upon itself. I think that's and the key, though. You, you've got to develop it. That that's right. What we've observed is that in most places of the world, it doesn't necessarily develop and mature mm -hmm. on its own. And exactly. that's why I like that e-commerce example. E-commerce is not considered a major industry in Austin. It is not considered where well, startups and founders should focus. It is not. Why is that? I mean, why is that? Well, because I think there's a lot to learn from that. I mean, we we. A big part of, you know, we were talking a little bit before of, is it just people aren't talking about it? There aren't the platforms to showcase and, and talk about it? Or is it because the company, I mean, several of those companies, you know, Shopify, obviously, and Amazon aren't actually headquartered there. And I think what we've suffered from a little bit here is that we have big offices from Amazon and Google and Zillow and others here in our area. And yet they're not really in the community. And so they're pulling the energy and orienting all these people to where they are headquartered. And so they're, they're sort of employing people here, but they're not amplifying the local community. I think it starts with taking a closer look at what they're employing. We've got a massive Google office here as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and for the most part, it's, it's support 
staff, mm-hmm. which is fantastic, right? A major office, a major employer in Austin is Google. Now, does that mean that Austin is a hub for search engines or YouTube uh, or AdWords or mm-hmm. or any of any of Google's technology stack? No, it doesn't, right? Just because the company is there doesn't mean that their their expectations, their outcomes, their their purpose aligns with anything that that city might be doing, that region of the world might be doing. I tend to think, and, and you see this a lot, Carrie, I think you've, you've noticed some of it. You see this a lot in, in what I write and what I talk about. I try to, to always be very outcome driven. And I think that's the answer. Um, I come from a venture capitalist perspective when it comes to startups. And so you'll, you'll see me, for example, talk a lot about how a startup has to operate if it intends to raise capital. Mm-hmm. And folks will often misunderstand me. They'll misunderstand me and think that I'm saying that's the only way that it can be done mm-hmm. or that you have to do this. That's and that's not what I'm saying, right? There are a lot of different ways right. entrepreneurs can get funding. What I try to drive is that outcome-oriented point of view. If you want to raise mm-hmm. venture capital, sure. you pretty much do need to operate this way. doesn't mean it's the right way, but you pretty much need to operate that way. I think that's that's the way to look at what we're talking about with these super clusters is that Austin isn't perceived as this e-commerce hub because there is no outcome. There's there's no there's no venture investment. There's no innovation group. There, there's no outcome associated with e-commerce outside of having massive offices in the United States for most of the e-commerce companies. Mm-hmm. And so does it does it actually manifest as an industry or an economy in this part of the world? No, they're, they're employers. My, my point in sharing the e-commerce yeah. narrative is that they should be. We should be thinking about the fact that those are employees who would like to start companies. Sure. Those are companies that could be partners. Those are executives who could be angel investors. Yeah. And if we are purposeful in saying that should be an industry of innovation in this part of the world, we can do it. But we've got to drive that outcome narrative first, right? So what, I mean, be what, like this, yeah. let's yeah. get there. Yeah. So as you think about, it, I mean, this, I, I'd love to go a little deeper in this one. So the big thing that that has been kind of the driver for a lot of the conversation here has been that over the last ten years, we have had just like other parts of the country, we've had very low unemployment, but the kinds of jobs that we've been creating here have not been these high wage innovation economy jobs. It's been a lot of lower wage service jobs in a very expensive part of the country, right? Orange County is a very expensive place to live relative to many other parts of the country. And so we've lost people at various stages that don't see the ability to, you know, housing costs, relatively speaking, are high. You couldn't produce enough houses to make it low. And it's really, to me, it starts with jobs. You, You have people employed at a high level. And so to me, that's the outcome, right? It's like, okay, how are we going to create more high-wage jobs? Startups tend to be one of your best engines for creating high-wage jobs because they tend to be startups with a venture capital type of eye to them tend to be innovation-driven, IP or kind of breakthrough technology, whether it's on the life science side or software, other areas. And so those tend to be the kinds of companies that can produce outsized number of high-wage jobs. From an economic development standpoint, since you also have that mind, how, how do you think about that? I love where you took your perspective because I agree with you entirely that it is fundamentally about jobs mm-hmm. and whether or not those jobs are capably affording 
where you live. We work with a city a lot. I work with a city, I suppose, a lot on that question of affordability, right? Affordable zoning, affordable mm-hmm. housing. And we constantly talk about the fact that unemployed people or underemployed people can't afford any form of affordable housing, regardless of how you structure that affordable housing, right? That, mm-hmm. that making something affordable is not the solution. That's yeah, right. Creating the jobs that enable you to afford the place mm-hmm. is the solution. Now, that said, I love where you took the the idea, though, because you took it the step further and said startups are the greatest form of job creation. True. Startups that have venture capital are the greatest form of of job creation. And so you actually took it two degrees further Mm -hmm. where I want folks to take it as well. That's the actual outcome then, right? If you just want to create jobs, entertain Facebook and have them open an office in Orange County. There you go. There's jobs. Ah, and that's what a city will do, right? Or, or a state will do because yeah. it looks great to attract a major employer to your part of the world, but those aren't necessarily the jobs you want or need. You know, the great secret here is if you're Facebook or Google or Amazon or Zillow, you're able to retain people here at a rate many, many times longer and greater than you, you do in other more competitive dynamic markets right and so they're getting i mean they're it's you know it's a fair trade in their mind it's like hey i'm giving this person a good job and they're choosing to take it but in in a market like this it just hasn't we just haven't seen that turnover and i look at that as a that's how those collisions and community and growth actually starts to happen and uh you know you see people that have stayed with the same company for 20 years you or I are probably looking at that going, their likelihood to stay relevant is pretty low in a a scenario like that in a world that's just changing too rapidly, right? And so we need more of that natural activity to even create the the scenarios in which a new idea can get formed. I think what's helpful is is that we work with our local politicians and, and local investors and so forth. And we keep, we keep pushing that narrative further along to get to the outcomes that matter. For example, a lot of cities are exceptional cities for just small businesses, local businesses, a lot of local restaurants, locally owned proprietors and so forth. And that is a way of creating jobs, right? Mm-hmm. They aren't distinctly startups. They right. don't need venture capital. And so that's a path that we could go. When a city identifies that that's how to put people to work, or that's how it wants to put people to work. You keep pushing the narrative further, okay? And, 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 what do they need? What do they need to help that work, right? In that circumstance, for example, you probably need deregulation mm-hmm. and different zoning policies and trade schools, right? Different ways to enable that small business form of a workforce to thrive. If your intention is to be a startup hub, Keep asking, and, 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 do we have incubators? Have we brought Founder Institute here? Have we brought Mass Challenge here? Are our investors funding startups? Because God bless you all if you're starting things, if the resources and the mentorship and the capital doesn't exist, those startups aren't going to last. They're going to have to go to New York or or Silicon Valley to raise capital. And when they do that, they're likely to move those jobs Mm -hmm. (laughs) or or they're dealing with the burden of of having a a remote set of investors, right? So you got to keep asking what that real outcome is that we can work together to foster in order to enable the entrepreneurs to create those jobs by starting things. When you look at where that has worked well, connected well, 
do you hold Austin up and say, we've really made a tremendous amount of progress on this in your time there? Or do you point to other locations and say, they've nailed it better and we, we should learn more from them? Yeah, I think Austin's figured it out to an extent. Like I said previously, we're tr- still trying to solve the venture capital question. Mm-hmm. But hopefully that grass is greener idea plants to seed with some folks because that, that in particular has worked pretty well for Austin in the sense that We've got a lot of wonderfully locally owned and operated assets for the entrepreneurs mm-hmm. from Austin Ventures to a lot of local venture capital firms, local incubators, local co-working spaces. But at the same time, Austin was purposeful in pulling in Techstars and Mass Challenge from mm-hmm. Boston, Founder Institute from, from Palo Alto, Galvanized from Denver and their data science kind of focus. And so it, it created this wonderful collision of different perspectives I'd like to, to talk about or think about or encourage, how do you create your region of the world such that it's considered the new world in the historical sense, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why did everybody flee Europe to come somewhere else? Well, they all had their reasons, whether it was freedom or, or, or to practice whatever religion they wanted or, or because it was resources. Doesn't really matter what it was. The United States or North America at that time, created this environment that enabled new opportunities mm-hmm. and folks flocked to it. Austin did that reasonably well. I totally right? agree with that. It was both local resources and this opening to immigration in a sense, right? Immigration into, mm-hmm. into the city that, that was a catalyst for it. Is there a sense of like a welcoming committee? From afar, I look and go, I've been to Austin a number of times. It's a great place, but what was the, Catalyst. (laughs) Another tough question because you want the real answer. This is a Southern California audience, right? Nobody in Texas is going to hear this. Here's my real take. Honestly, we did a good job of starting to say your startup is like this, your startup is not. And that's okay. Here's what I mean. 10 years ago, when I moved here, folks from Silicon Valley were kind of shunned, right? How dare you all come from Silicon Mm. Valley? How dare you? raise our cost of living. And we don't want to be like Silicon Valley in Austin. And, and that's where that grass is greener perspective that I have comes from. You know, a lot of folks here were saying, we don't want to be like that. Yeah. Well, what, are the, what did a lot of us from elsewhere and a lot of people from New York and a lot of people from LA, of course, mm-hmm. all, all come, came into Austin. Well, what did we all do? Well, what's wrong with Silicon Valley? <laughs> it clearly knows how to fund startups rather well. If you don't want to be like that, that's fine. But I'm going to go ahead and keep being like that. I'm going to go ahead and focus on those kind of companies and those Mm -hmm. kind of startups and those kind of founders. And we're going to help move that capital. And if you want to do it the Austin way, please do. Because diversity and variety is what makes a region of the world thrive. There were sects, if you will, that said, you know what? It wouldn't be too bad if Austin learned a thing or two from Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't be too bad if we learned a thing or two from New York. Probably should And no, we don't want to be exactly like Silicon Valley. Obviously, everybody's leaving. (laughs) But to say that we're going to do venture capital or we want to run startups completely differently than the way that they do where 70% of all of the money in the world funds entrepreneurs, that's a little disingenuous. It's a little little obtuse. (laughs) So so, so there was this little tug of war, this little push and pull of of saying, you know what, let's be like that new, new world. Let's be inclusive of people from all over the place. Let's appreciate diversity in all its different forms of beliefs and ethnicities and cultures and experiences and perspectives. They all work. 
And it's okay if you don't share the same points of view. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> find mm -hmm. your cohorts, find your peer groups, and figure out how to thrive. And that's what we've been doing. And it works pretty well. And so now what's neat is you do see other cities, Raleigh-Durham, Houston, even mm -hmm. locally. Raleigh-Durham's one, Miami and Tampa and Florida are doing it. Looking to Austin, not to do what we did, but looking to Austin and saying, how did you do that? And how do we avoid some of the mistakes that you made? Mm -hmm. And how do we do it differently for this part of the world? Yeah, it's a, I always say, like, we need to make this area the best Orange County it can be, the best SoCal it could be. I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of actual regional activity now starting to, to happen uh, with various groups looking at this Santa Barbara to San Diego region and saying, this is the, the next 10 years for California to expand and really almost reinvent with a much better quality of life and a lot more diversity of economy and that we can build upon a whole bunch of things here. So it'll be, it'll be really fascinating to see, do we end up with some globally landmark companies that have the equivalent of like the San Francisco and Peninsula dual office down here in, in Southern California? And do you see a, a migration? We have just, even if we could retain the people who are coming through here, going to school here and, and being part of this and not losing them to places like Austin and Salt Lake and the Valley, you know, Silicon Valley, where, you know, I think we're, we've got everything we need. It's just a really interesting transition time of uh, generations and worldviews. And, you know, frankly, we've got a difficult state to do business in. Uh, sure. As well, relatively respect, speaking. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I like that you have this regional kind of focus, though, with, with Santa Barbara and so forth mm -hmm. included in it. Because the other aspect that that work reasonably well in this part of the world is, is that appreciation, is that city, city itself is not sufficient. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just not. And, and worse, and I mean worse, in a lot of places, you can see how downtown explicitly, mm -hmm. downtown has tried to be that innovation hub and it's where the younger people are. So that's probably where we should focus on startups. And, and you know what? That never, ever, ever works. I noticed it when I moved here 10 years ago. I noticed it in that perception of Silicon Valley that a lot of folks here would say, here in Texas would say, I'm going to San Francisco to raise capital. And we would have to look at them and go, you do realize the great majority of capital in Silicon Valley is an hour south of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. It's not in San Francisco that the city is often actually, that urban core is often actually the worst place for startups because it is more expensive. Mm -hmm. Which means even if it's even if it's not expensive for you personally as an entrepreneur, it certainly means it's expensive for the investors to spend their time. So they're probably not there. Mm -hmm. Or it means it's expensive for the companies that are your source of customers and partners and, and, and advisors and even angel investors. Your companies are going to be somewhere else in the region. And in Austin, we started to identify that pretty quickly and said, the investors are not downtown. The investors are 40 minutes west. The Sand Hill Road, if you will, for those that know that analogy, Sand Hill Road in Palo Alto, where most of the venture capital community in Silicon Valley offices. Sand Hill Road in Austin is 40 minutes west of downtown Austin. If mm -hmm. you want to hang out where, where the investors are, you go hang out in the coffee shops up and down what's called 360, the freeway, up and down 360 in Austin, Texas. And in a matter of a couple of weeks, you'll probably have met most of the, the VCs and angel investors as they come through to pick up their coffee in the morning. That's how you raise capital. You figure out where, where regionally, to, mm -hmm. to this point, Carrie, right? Where regionally are the 
biotech companies, media tech companies in town? Where are the investors in town? Where are the universities and the students who are going to be trying some things? Right. With that landscape of our region, right, we could start to steer entrepreneurs and even journalists and bloggers and so forth to that part of town where they can have the most impact. They can get the most out of that ecosystem. And as a result, you create that diverse community, that diverse region of the world that really works for everybody. So let's let's talk a little bit. We we talked about investors a bit. What do you feel like you guys have done well there to get more folks participating? Maybe that didn't make their money or haven't historically been in the investing locally business. You know, what what have you guys done to excite them, to educate them, to get them involved and, and participating? Two things. A lot more of this, frankly. If anybody's curious about what's going on in Texas, we built the Austin Startups Facebook group. And that may sound meaningless and insignificant and you're not on Facebook. There are 70,000 people on the Austin Startups Facebook group, which does Mm -hmm. what for entrepreneurs? If you need customer validation, if you need advice, if you need a referral, if if you just have a question, you need some help, there are 70,000 people in Austin alone on a social network Mm -hmm. that are there for you. And then we took that even bigger, did the same thing with Texas for example, that one, we fostered more conversations, what we're doing here, right? Pushed a lot more bloggers, pushed a lot more podcasts, pushed a lot more social media content about what it means to be an entrepreneur and founder. And that, that elevates, right? That, that raises Mm -hmm. all of, of the boats and it, and it eliminates a lot of the risk in early stage startup by which you're, you know, here's something to be conscious of as an early founder, as a first time founder, you got to get outside your box, right? You can't, you can't just focus on the couple of mentors that you had at university and the couple of folks in your peer group who, who have had a startup. You can't just focus on those people as being your access to what it means to be an entrepreneur because sure. those few people are going to have a lot of bias, not incorrect bias, but they're going to have bias that they're, they don't have a worldview that you can draw from thousands of people to eliminate a lot of mistakes or a lot of the uh, missteps that you're likely to, to take accidentally mm-hmm. uh, when you're a founder. So eliminate that as much as possible through more communication, more conversations, more exposure, et cetera, number one. Number two, we kind of touched on it, but I would be surprised if we don't have the highest rate per capita of incubators in the United States, mm-hmm. in Texas. Mm-hmm. It works. It works when those programs are methodical about a curriculum and mentors that are specific to that sector, that industry that that incubator is focused on, and curriculum that's designed to meet those outcomes that we talked about. Right? Mm-hmm. It can be an incubator for a small business, can be an incubator for a CPG product focus, can sure. be an incubator for, for a venture capital-oriented uh, startup program. The more of those that you have available to people, the more likely entrepreneurs are to get into the right place. Sure. Those well, two and it's, you're immediately giving them connectivity too, right? Is like whatever they had before they walked in there is getting amplified times some number more. It took a bit of doing though to get folks to appreciate that what we're not trying to do is guarantee success so much as eliminate failure. Mm-hmm. So you think of it that way, right? You're trying to you're trying to enable a greater number of people that live and work in your region of the world. You're trying to enable a greater number of them to take a shot. Mm-hmm. And not just fail because, you know, the conventional wisdom is 90% of businesses and startups fail. Yep. If you can, if you can move that number, even 5%, 
that's substantial. (laughs) That is incredibly substantial. You're talking thousands and thousands of people who start businesses. That's what gave the venture capital community confidence, right? When you can eliminate the rate of fail or reduce rather the rate of failure, you will get investor attention. Is much and, more and who's funding most? Like, how do you think about the funding of those? Because obviously, a lot of incubators are not particularly profitable endeavors. I mean, I look at you know what we're doing here. The venture studio itself is not designed to be a cash flowing business. It's designed to be a collector of a portfolio of equity that it's earning for adding tremendous value to increasing the likelihood of success. Yep. Or, or de-risking the, the companies. But it, we're funding it. Who, who's funding these? Are these economic development agencies or, or nonprofit groups or you know, foundations? And where are you seeing that come from? It's why the distinction is so important. The distinction in the purpose of the program is so important. Yeah. That too many programs make the mistake of being not-for-profit mm-hmm. or getting economic development funding or city funding or some mm-hmm. such. Mm-hmm. And because then of the way it operates it's likely just not going to be attuned to venture capital expectations. Mm-hmm. It's not. And that's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. It's not wrong. Sure. Rather, it's make sure you understand what its focus and objectives are. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge proponent of the fact that if you want to raise capital, if you want to raise venture capital, you want a program that you have to pay for, period. Mm-hmm. Because entrepreneurship and investors are not philanthropies. Sure. They're just totally not. agree with that. Does it sound unfair? Does it seem unfair that we can't make these programs available to free for everybody? Maybe it does, but we can't. There are people, there are curriculum, there's market, right? There are costs of operating these programs. And so the money does have to come from somewhere, right? Does it come from a corporate sponsor? Does it come from a philanthropy? Does it come from the city? Or does it come from actually being a profitable business model? Mm -hmm. Ours is a profitable business model. And I don't shun away from that at all. Uh, Folks that join our collective program pay a fee Mm -hmm. and we get equity. Mm -hmm. You pay a fee because we've developed curriculum. It's a school. It is not just office hours with mentors. Uh, And we invest in all of the infrastructure to be online and to be virtual and to host our program throughout the world. That is a cost of our doing business. And we don't give it away because we got to make money so that we can focus on what it means for you to make money so that you can focus on what it takes to raise capital in our model. right? And across the street is a nonprofit program that's focused on a very different objective. Mm -hmm. And that is perfect for what they're focused on. right? They're focused on the arts in the same space, right? They're focused on fostering the arts and musicians and filmmakers and so forth. Those kind of things don't raise venture capital. They're locally funded by arts programs. And so that program worked very well in that context. And if you're an entrepreneur who hopes to raise money and you get into that program, you're probably going to have a bad time. And if you're, if you're an artist over in this program who really just needs a grant or some support from the community and you get into this program, you're probably going to have a bad time because these things don't operate the same way and they shouldn't. Yeah, totally makes sense. So a uh, couple, couple last things from, you know, where you sit in Austin, you, you have at least some understanding of the Orange County economy, the Orange County story. If you're, you're advising Orange County on what we should be selling as our story or telling as, as our really core area of global expertise, what, what do you see that being? I'll be honest, I, I think to some great extent, it's in the same wheelhouse that, that I personally play in. That, that we play in media tech ventures. Mm-hmm. And, and here's, if, if, if I may take, sure. take the moment, let me, let me clarify what we do because it's rather important, right? How on earth did we leave Silicon Valley to start this media technology hub for the world? Mm-hmm. And why on earth did we start it in Austin, Texas of all places? 
Silicon Valley is not the epicenter for media innovation. Mm -hmm. It's not. As we talk about these different regions and how we should excel and, and, and be exceptional in certain industries, Silicon Valley is great at search engines and social media and big data companies. It excels without question at certain things, but it didn't fix the music industry, it broke it. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't solve the challenges that we now have as, a, have, a, have as a film industry. It created them, thanks to Netflix. It created these challenges. It didn't cause fake news. It broke the way the news business works out of New York. And because New York is 3,000 miles away from Northern California, the two have not been able to figure out how to make the news industry work well. That media technology is this idea that there are certain places in the world with expertise in different forms of media, podcasting, video games, film, music, news, etc. Certain regions of the world have always had that domain of expertise. And when we get outside of our, our box, when we get outside of Hollywood in Southern California, uh -huh. when we get outside of LA proper, where the industry, right, the entertainment industry is based, when you get outside of that, you find efficiencies of scale, you find technology experience that knows that industry, you find business development people, you find entrepreneurs who still want to work in it, but they don't want to be right downtown. They don't necessarily mm -hmm. want to be in the film industry itself. And so you can foster an ecosystem like what we're doing in, in Austin with media technology. That here, what we recognize is all these people are leaving Silicon Valley in Los Angeles and, and New York, and they're coming here. Most of the people that are moving into Texas uh, are coming out of the media business in some respect. Mm -hmm. Nobody really paid attention to that until about five years ago when we said, that's really interesting. <laughs> Why is Facebook here? Why mm -hmm. is Magic Leap here? Why is Hulu down in San Antonio? Why, why are all these media companies setting up in Texas? Is nobody, is nobody curious about that? Does nobody want to do anything about that? And so we took that startup exuberance. We took the technology exuberance that's coming to Texas as well and said, you know what we should focus on? <laughs> the fact that we have a lot of this media talent and we've got this technology talent in this part of the world. We should do something about it. Mm -hmm. I think you should do the same there and, and believe it very, very vehemently. We're doing the same with Chicago. We're doing it with places that, that folks don't necessarily think of as media hubs because of the traditional business, right? The traditional news and advertising business in New York or the traditional mm -hmm. film and music business in Los Angeles. But right outside of that or in other cities, you're seeing this flourishing of media talent and technology talent that should be should be celebrated, should be reinforced because the opportunity is there for investors to a much greater extent than in Silicon Valley or in the heart of Los Angeles or in the heart of New York City, where it's expensive and they're still focused on the way they've always done things. Great perspective. So, Paul, uh, last, last kind of lap here. One of the things I always like to end with is that key lesson or words of advice that you'd love to, to leave with the audience. So as you think about other aspiring tech or media tech entrepreneurs, what key advice would you have for them? One of my favorite questions in the sense that I, I love just publishing brief pieces, although yes. my team would argue that they're not brief, <laughs> brief pieces that offer very different perspectives on things. Mm -hmm. One that I think you saw uh, is, is a favorite of mine that I keep poking on. The favorite startup team is actually comprised of three people, not two, not one but three people. I mean, the perfect startup team in the context of if you endeavor to raise money, mm -hmm. there are three distinct things that you got to focus on. Number one, you got to focus on the market. Number two, you got to focus on delivering that. Number three, you've got to focus on resources to make it possible. That's three people. Mm -hmm. Usually that shakes out as CMO, CTO, and CEO. Mm -hmm. 
market delivery resources for them. Usually okay. doesn't have to, but hopefully you get the idea. It's always three people. And so then I, then I love playing around with the idea that in order for you to raise capital, you have to show that you are committed for life. You have to get married, mm-hmm. which really makes it fun because we have three people getting married instead of two. So you can sure. imagine all the fun conversations you can have about that. But, but, I, but I think that's an important thing to appreciate too, that in starting something, the only way it's likely to work in a world where 90% of everything fails is that you really set out to make it work in sickness and health for richer, for poorer, till death do your part, mm-hmm. because you are going to run into more challenges, more, more no's, more disagreements, more, more conflict, more opposition than anything you've ever done when you become a startup founder. And if you're not, if you're not committed to figuring it out somehow together to, to having a baby, it's probably not going to work. Or at least in my experience, it's not worked. Every startup that I've been in that's been a success is because the founders were determined to deliver on their mission and their vision and mm-hmm. didn't care as much about the MVP and you know their, their solution, but really recognize that in order for this to be successful, we have to set out to accomplish that. And if it mm-hmm. takes 10 years, it takes 10 years. Yep. If it takes two years, great. <laughs> but no matter what, we're going to do it together and we're going to get there. Yeah. So get married and make it a threesome. There's my startup advice in a nutshell. There you go. All right, Paul. Well, thank you. It's so good to catch up. I and mean, we could probably continue this for hours. Uh, as You're here. Uh, I'm sure that the audience will, will be able to tell. But yeah, thanks for taking the time. Always so good to catch up. Great perspective, great wisdom. I think there's a lot we can learn from what's happened in Austin. I mean, it just feels like there's been this incredible culture injection and change and, you know, and I think it's come from within and from outside. That's certainly what I would aspire for the next 10 years to, to hopefully be in a place like Orange County that, that sort of has some of the same kinds of bones. So we'll see. Um, but, you know, best wishes with MediaTek, with all the other things that you're doing. And obviously come visit us here in Orange County sometime soon. And as soon as possible, I'm, I'm headed your way as well. So uh, look forward to it. To hanging Don't out. Excuse me. Anytime anybody comes to visit in Texas, give me a call. And, Sounds uh, good. Carrie, Carrie, it's been a distinct pleasure. Always. Way too, way too long overdue. I, I, right. I had a great time and hopefully it was valuable for everybody. Thank you all for, for joining us uh, and make sure to, to connect with both of us and, and get to know us better. Cheers. Talk soon. You've just listened to Accelerate OC. Join our live recordings every Tuesday morning at accelerateoc.com or listen, like, and share anytime from your favorite podcast spot. Let's Accelerate OC together. 